0: We meet today in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to verse 16. The church is a new man. Now we're looking at the inhibitions of the new man. We find that the church also has inhibitions, and these are important as well. A little child doesn't have inhibitions. I actually think of times when I visit some church members. They put on quite a performance of how religious and how pious they are. When we sit down at the table, they can call me to give thanks for the meal. I usually pray gladly. But the little children in the house are generally uninhibited. They do not speak the religious language. If they do not usually give thanks for a meal, they freely ask, what did that man do? It obviously indicates that they don't often give thanks for the meal. The little ones, they are completely uninhibited in what they do and in what they say they don't put up a face now a child of god may be uninhibited but the church is not to manifest itself as a baby all the time it is to grow up and develop some inhibitions there are certain things an adult doesn't say that a little child may say the church is not to remain in a babyhood but to mature and God has given to each child of his grace in which to grow. Ephesians 4 verse 7 But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. God has given gifts to believers as we see in Romans 12 and again in First Corinthians 12 to 14. Although believers are to give diligence to maintain the unity of the Spirit, this does not mean that each is a carbon copy of another. Each believer is given a gift so that he may function in the body of believers in a particular way. And Paul here writes, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. First Corinthians 12, verse 7. This means that the gift is the Spirit of God doing something through the believer for the purpose of building up the body of believers. It is for the profit of the whole body of believers. No gift is given to develop you spiritually. A gift is given in order that you might function in the body of believers to benefit and bless the church sometimes you hear people talk about how they may speak in tongues simply to edify themselves when they are just by themselves is that not a contradiction for any gift of the spirit of god is actually given for the edification of the church gifts are given to profit the church no gift is to be used selfishly for personal profit In fact, it is not a gift if it is being used privately and selfishly. A gift is given to every member of the body of Christ to enable him to function for a very definite reason in his position in the body. Suppose my eyes would tell me that they were sleepy and will not get up with me. Suppose my legs say that they won't carry me from my study to my bedroom. You see? I need both my eyes and my legs, and I hope my brain cooperates too. In fact, all the members of my body need to work together, each member doing the job it's supposed to do. Therefore, each believer is given a gift so that he may function in the body of believers in a particular way. When he does this, the body functions. The body functions that is where we find the unity of the spirit along with the gift it says every one of us is given grace to exercise that gift in the power and fullness of the spirit of god when each believer functions in his particular gift it produces a harmony as does each member of the human body however when one member of the body suffers the whole body suffers this means If you do not exercise your gift in the body my friend You throw us all out of tune We don't function properly That is why there are so many conflicts in the church Because others are not using their gifts properly Therefore he says When he ascended on high He led captivity captive And gave gifts to men Ephesians 4 verse 8 Now you will notice that this is a quotation from Psalm 68 verse 18. You have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive, you have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Now Ephesians says he gave gifts to men, and the psalm says he received gifts among men. Is this a misquote from the Old Testament? Well, I don't think so. Please note that an author has a right to change his own writings. But nobody else has that right. In the verse before us, the Holy Spirit changes the words and he does it for a purpose. Back in the book of Psalms, we are told that the Lord Jesus had received gifts among men. He had all the gifts ready. Then he came to the earth. Now that he has been here and has gone back to the Father, he is distributing the gifts among men. He is giving them to us through the Spirit. So the passage actually shows again how accurate the Bible is. And that is not a misquote, my friend. When he ascended up on high, actually this refers to the ascension of Christ. At that time he did two things. First, He led captivity captive, which refers, I believe, to the redeemed of the Old Testament who went to paradise when they died. Christ took these believers with him out of paradise into the very presence of God when he ascended. Today, when a believer dies, we are not told that he goes to paradise, but rather he is absent from the body and present with the Lord. When he ascended, the second thing he did, it is when Christ ascended, he also gave gifts to men. This means that he conferred gifts upon living believers in the church, so that they might witness to the Lord and witness to the world. In his ascension, Christ not only brought the Old Testament saints into God's presence, but he also, through the Holy Spirit, bestowed gifts. At the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit baptized believers into the body of Christ and then endowed them with certain gifts, enabling them to function as members of the body. The Holy Spirit put each of them in a place in the body, and he has been doing the same with each new believer ever since. When you become a child of God, you are placed into the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 9 and 10 Now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Well, the logical explanation of these verses is that since Christ ascended, he must have of necessity descended at some previous period. Now, some see only the incarnation in this. The early church fathers saw in it the work of Christ in bringing the Old Testament saints out of paradise up to the throne of God. We are told that he descended into hell. It is not necessary, however, to assume that he entered into some form of suffering after his death. His incarnation and death were his humiliation and descent, and they were adequate to bring the redeemed of the Old Testament into the presence of God. That would explain his fullness here. Who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might feel All things now I recognize however that there are other interpretations here is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to verse 16 a very important section and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the maturity, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is a lengthy passage, but it is good to read it in one block and then talk about what uh, these verses are saying. Verse 11 actually does not refer to the gifts he has given to men, although it is true that it is he who has given the gifts. What Paul is saying here is that Christ takes certain men who have been given certain gifts and he gives them to the church. Notice that the purpose for which these men are given To the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These gifted men are given to the church that it might be brought to full maturity. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, this may sound selfish, but I trust it is understood. What is the purpose for the church in the world? It is to complete itself that it might grow up. He himself is very emphatic here talking of the Lord Jesus himself who gives gifted men to perfect the church. The Lord Jesus is the one who has the authority and he is the one who gives gifts. So we are told he gave some apostles to the church. An apostle was a man who had not only seen the resurrected Christ, but had also been directly and personally commissioned by the Lord to be an apostle. He enjoyed a special inspiration. This office, in the strict sense of the word, and by virtue of its very nature, has disappeared from the church. He gave some prophets. Here, As in other epistles, this has reference to New Testament prophets, not Old Testament prophets. There were men who were given, as were the apostles, particular insights into the doctrines of their faith. They were under the immediate influence and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which distinguishes them from teachers. There is no one around today with the office of an apostle or prophet in that sense of the word some evangelists the evangelists were traveling missionaries paul was an evangelist they were not evangelists as we think of them today because there was no committee or organization to set up a campaign they went into new territory and they did it all alone with the spirit of god who went before them he also gave some pastors these men were the shepherds of the flock he gave some teachers the men who were to instruct the flock. And this is the gift which is mentioned in Romans 12, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, 29, and First Timothy 3, verse 2. God has given all these men to the church so that the church might be brought up to full maturity where there will be inhibitions. You see, the church is not to make a nut of herself Before the world, she is not to appear ignorant before the world. All these men are to prepare the church so that the believers might do the work of ministering and building up the body of Christ. We call the pastor of a church a minister, but if you are a Christian, you are such a minister as he is. In our church, pastors are simply referred to as pastors. But also even on our church bulletin, we have the names of the pastors listed. But still on that bulletin is something that says ministers, all members. You see, my friend, you don't have to be ordained to be a minister. The pastor has a special gift of teaching the word of God so that his members, those who are under him might do the work of ministry. They are the ones who are to go out and do the visitation and do the witnessing. I'm afraid. We have the church in reverse today. Let me also say that probably no man in the church has all the gifts. So do not expect your pastor or your minister to be all things and to do all things. No, don't take the viewpoint that he has many gifts. His business is one to build the members of the church for the work of ministry. Don't expect your pastor to do it all. He is there to train you so that you might do the work of ministry and that the church might become mature. We are to give a good, clear-cut, intelligent witness to the world. I think the greatest sin in the local church today is the ignorance of the man sitting in the pew. He doesn't know the word of God, and that is the tragedy. Do you know God's word, my friend? I would hate to get into an airplane If the pilot didn't know any more about flying than an average church member knows about Christianity and the Word of God. The plane wouldn't make it. I think it would crash before it got ten feet into the air. That is the condition of the church today. All believers need to be trained in the Word of God so that they can do the work of ministry. That we should no longer be children. We are to have inhibitions. We are not to run around like a bunch of crying babies. You remember that Paul told the church in Corinth that they were carnal and that they were babies in Christ and a disgrace. We should be restrained. We must have inhibitions. We are not to be tossed up and down and driven about with every wind of doctrine or teaching. Notice that Paul does some mixing of metaphors here. He is trying to bring out vividly the danger of a believer continuing as a baby. You wouldn't, for example, put a baby in a plane to be the pilot. If children were in command of a ship, they would be tossed up and down, driven here and there without direction over the vast expanse of the sea. They would become discouraged and seasick. They would lose their way. And be destroyed And this is a frightful picture Of the possible fate of a child of God Who is not matured in the word of God The figure of speech changes again By the trickery of men In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting Christ's purpose in giving men with different gifts to the church Is to develop believers from Boyhood, girlhood, childhood To full maturity Teachers are to be pediatricians. The obstetrician brings the baby into the world. He turns him over to a pediatrician who makes sure that he has everything that he needs for normal growth. Believers are not to remain children, but rather that in speaking the truth in love, they may grow up into him in all things. You see, the believer is to follow the truth in love. That is, he is to love truth, live it, and speak it. Christ is the truth, and the believer must sail his little back of life with everything pointed toward Christ. Christ is his compass and his magnetic pole. Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. You see, the body of every believer is compared to the physical body and it is called the body of Christ. The body of believers is compared to the physical body and it is called the body of Christ. The body not only receives orders from the head, who is Christ, but also spiritual nourishment. This produces a harmony where each member is functioning in his place as he receives spiritual supplies from the head. Also, the body has an inward dynamic whereby it renews itself. Likewise, the spiritual body is to renew itself in love. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies... Please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by seven two six four one four four seven five from within South Africa. It's 072-641-4475.